Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in a capital on lockdown for the second week. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Peter Smits, Managing Director of Ashbourne Insurance, an independent insurance broker in Hertfordshire. Peter, hello. Hello, hi, how are you? Very good. Um, I'm very pleased that you could join us today. Uh, but before we get on to the subject of leadership, which of course is why you're here, we need to address the COVID-19 uh, situation. Uh, how has that affected your business? Um, it's, it, it's business as usual so much as usual can be. Um, we're observing the government advice, the health and safety of our, our staff and our customers is paramount so we've closed the office we're all remote working um the we're busy um but we're busy handling a lot of questions and queries there's a lot of unknown obviously for everyone at the moment and and that's what we're doing we're very much a community-based broker and we want to be here for our customers do you feel that this is something that would have been able to be done 10 15 years ago uh this remote working no Absolutely. There is no way that we would have been geared up either with the technology or the ability to do this 10 years ago. Mm. So if, if it had to come out of time, now's the right time, isn't it? Yeah, I guess if there can be such a right time for something like this, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, you're right. The, the, the technology and the ability and the relationships we have with both clients and suppliers means that we are able to continue to service our clients, which is, which is of paramount importance. Now, moving on to the subject of leadership, I always like to start the conversation with the same question my longtime listeners will know. What does the word leader mean to you? In summary, I think it's all about setting an example. Right. Please elaborate. Um, I, I've, I've always, and I guess perhaps, perhaps with the upbringing, my, my father had his own business, and I've always felt the necessity to be the first in the door, the last out the door. I need to know how to do everything from, you know, complex insurance solutions to franking the mail. Um, I don't really want to frank the mail, but I need to know how to do it. Mm. And I guess my mentor is that I would never ask anyone to try and complete a task or do a job that I wouldn't be able to do myself. And I think by demonstrating that, you <laughs> you hopefully win the hearts and minds of your staff um, rather than them just completing a task. Would you say that your father was your mentor? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was a mentor. He was the first figure that, that I saw. He was a nurseryman. We lived on the nursery, so it was very much a lifestyle business. And, and he was, you know, 12 hour days, seven days a week. And, and everything revolved around making the business happen. You know, we would finish school and the next day we'd be straight up into the nursery doing jobs over the summer holidays and stuff like that. So it, it, was, a, it was a fantastic example for me to... To, to, to really knuckle down and get on and, and complete tasks and get things done. Do you think that young people are being introduced to work at too late of an age these days? Possibly, possibly. Um, I think perhaps an overemphasis on further education, not that that's such a bad thing, but I think there is a, a balance. Um, well, there know, is I, something I, to be I, said for that, where there is a, a massive uh, gap uh, in the in the trades, uh, which, uh, you know, plumbers, electricians, that sort of thing, that they make terribly good money, uh, but they're they're completely 
gasping for uh, for help. Absolutely, but but it's not just that. I, I think it's also the the interaction, the, the the you know the customer connection, the interaction with coworkers, with suppliers, with with customers. You know, we're we're we're, we're all too busy. You know, sort of looking at our phones and, and social media and tweeting and all that sort of stuff, rather than actually mm-hmm. using those communication skills that build relationship and rapport. And of course, communication is one of the key aspects of leadership. Um, with your staff, uh, how do you communicate with them? Do you do you see each of them personally each day? Do you hold a staff meeting once a week? How's your interaction with your staff? Yeah, very much so. It's, it, I, I always stop. If, if I'm writing an email to a member of my staff, I think I can actually say this to them quicker and more effectively, then I'll stop it. I'll, I'll go and talk to them. Hmm. So I, I have um, department heads, um, daily interaction with those guys. I make sure that I'm visible around the office for all the departments. Um, I, I try and actually encourage people to talk face-to-face, um, not only from, from myself and my own interactions, but actually with our customers as well. So it, it is very much about being accessible, and, and that can have downsides as well. And of course, uh, downsides probably have to do with uh, familiarity. Uh, familiarity does have the tendency to breed contempt. How do you keep those two uh, in check while being familiar, while still maintaining your uh, place as a leader within the business? I've always felt that the most important thing is to be consistent. Um, you know, wh- whether I'm going to give praise or whether I'm going to give construction criticism, I-, I do it because I'm able to do it in equal measure. Um, if I see something that I think is wrong or that needs addressing, then I'll, then I'll go and deal with it. Um, I-, I try to do it in a, a very sort of mild-mannered way, um, but be consistent all the time, you know, regardless of whether it's a senior manager or, you know, the, the office junior take exactly the same approach all the time and right. people I think recognize you respect is something that's earned it's not something that's, that's just given to you how do you diffuse conflict within the workplace I try very very hard to take a back step in the first instance to try and look at it from different angles right. um, I, I will then address the situation with the individual of the department and, and ask and, and test them you know if, if, if they are aggrieved about something or they feel that something's been done a wrong way, then I'll ask them to explain that to me. And I, I just find, again, the more communication you have, the less confrontation you have and the less misunderstanding there is. Naturally. Absolutely. Now, if we were to look at leadership in a much larger sense, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would you say? The one that springs to mind for me is Winston Churchill. Of course, of course. And, uh, Just because cometh the hour, cometh the man. Right. Um, you know, and, and he, he was he was just right for that circumstance and, and obviously dealt with it um, with all his strengths. And, you know, that, that was a time of, of great stress, of great strain, um, of uncertainty. And uh, I just felt he was, that, that for me was what a leader was, someone that was set up there that you could look up, that you could admire mm-hmm. and you could aspire to. Do you feel that Churchill's leadership techniques can be applied to business? Sometimes, um, in certain circumstances. Um, you know, as I say, come at the outcome of the man. He was a man for his time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, there is a need for a little bit more diplomacy. Um, but sometimes, and particularly as an entrepreneur, you have to have belief. You have to have belief in your own convictions. You have to make sure that 
you know, you can you can power through some of the bureaucracy and the red tape, you know, the the, the naysayers that, that say you can't achieve this and, and, and actually go with your ideas and go with your beliefs and, and make it happen. Is there a, a too much red tape on your industry at the moment? My personal opinion is yes. I believe we've got an element of bureaucracy for the sake of bureaucracy. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for compliance and regulation, particularly within the financial services. I have no problems with it. But ultimately, if you saddle the industry with too much red tape, compliance and regulation, the end user, the client, is the one that ends up paying for it. And I think that defeats the very object of what they're trying to achieve. Now, of course, our time together is starting to draw to its close. Uh, but before I let you go, what does the next uh, 12 months have in store for Ashbourne Insurance? We're actually starting our new financial year. Um, I always go into every new financial year being cautiously optimistic. Um, we're in very, very strange uh, and uncertain times at the moment. So that does taint my view. Um, however, I do believe that if we are, as a business, committed to our strengths and we maintain that commitment to deliver outstanding customer service, more communication, build more relationship and rapport, then you know, hopefully my business will, will continue to prosper. Well, we wish all of that for you and for all of your you and your staff uh, to stay safe in the next uh, few months. Uh, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope that you come back on the program at some point in the future when things have calmed down a bit. Uh, Peter, thank you. Thank you very much. That was Peter Smith, Managing Director of Ashbourne Insurance. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Lord Blunkett. Uh, we're joined uh, today by uh, David Blunkett, Lord Blunkett, former Home Secretary, former Education Secretary, David, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Uh, it's always a pleasure, but uh, since we are talking around the theme of leadership, it would be remiss of me if we didn't start with the leadership election going on in the Labour Party. Apart from, I'm sure you're delighted that a certain someone is leaving a post. What are your thoughts on it so far? Well, I think the party membership are going to make a very clear decision. Uh, are they in, in the stands watching or are they on the pitch playing? And if they want to play, then the two candidates that are in for the future are Lisa Nandy and Keir Starmer. I'm personally backing Lisa because I think she's a brave woman with a tremendous amount to give. She's got really good, positive ideas. I like them because they're about building from the community rather than command and control from the centre. They're about a new form of social democracy and socialism rather than trying to replicate a failed past. And she can reach out to people that others can't. So I'm, I'm giving her my backing. I think Keir Starmer is very professional, mm. very able, and presents extremely well. And I, I hope that one of those two uh, actually come through in the election on the 4th of April. Uh, there has been a lot of criticism, especially from... Uh, for uh, candidates a little further left um, than them who've criticised even the last Labour uh, uh, government as being part of 40 years of Thatcherism. Yes, I think it's really unfortunate, uh, particularly when new MPs come in having seen large swathes of their colleagues lose their seat, uh, to roll up the 13 years of Labour government 
with everything that I'm so proud of. I mean, I, we, we were not neoliberals or anything like it. We were able, in the first 10 years certainly, uh, which I played a part in, to be able to turn the economy around, to invest in health and education, to be able to transform people's aspirations and their hopes for the the future. And that included ensuring people got the minimum wage, which we never had before, Sure start to nurture youngsters from the most moment they were born, transformation in the quality of education. And all these things actually add up to helping people to improve and change their lives for the better. And anyone who thinks that's not good and that isn't a government to be proud of needs to answer the question, what chivalet is it that you would want that would actually have done more to change those lives? I can think of two or three myself in terms mm. of dramatically taking on uh, inequality, although half a million children were taken out of poverty in those years. I can think of being even tougher on crime, even though I was dubbed as one of the tougher home secretaries because the people that I cared about most were, on the whole, not exclusively, but mainly the victims of crime. I can think about taking on the very, very rapidly growing transnational power of the big tech companies, which we still need to work through in terms of how we do that from a, a single nation just off the coast of Europe and how we work internationally without getting caught up in wars we don't want to be involved in. But how, how are we international in a way that ensures that we play our part in making a better life for humanity as a whole rather than disengaging and becoming alien from the rest of the world. Those are big questions for the social democratic left, particularly with artificial intelligence and robotics changing the world of work forever, I think, in the next 20 years. Uh, an ageing population. Labour got 18% of the over 65 vote in the general election. Just 18%. It's staggeringly... It's extraordinary. Staggeringly bad. Um, and and climate think... change, which we all know is going to be either a big gain or a terrific political trauma we've got to take people with us no matter uh, which political party it is the changes that will occur in this decade especially will determine their future ideologies certainly and sp speaking of your time uh, as home section in government um you worked with so many different individuals of all political stripes and none at all is there someone and on the theme of leadership that stands out to you that embodies some of those qualities you described earlier? yes i mean i it's on the theme of bottom-up, it was some of the most inspiring uh, head teachers and classroom teachers who, in really, really difficult circumstances, were actually transforming the life chances of children by inspiring those children to want to learn, to, if you like, lighting a candle inside them, uh, giving them a, a, a window on the world which created an inquiring mind and an understanding that the world was their oyster, that they could do things with support. My, my philosophy has always been mutuality and reciprocity. We, we need mutuality to support each other. We need reciprocity in terms of understanding that we don't just take, we, we give a lot as well. And I suppose that really comes down to uh, if you're prepared to do something for yourself, we're prepared to do something to help you. And that's fundamentally in education, but it is in all sorts of walks of life as well. So... You can have innovation, you can have entrepreneurship and creativity in, in business, you can have the way in which people turn things around 
for themselves, small businesses who've done that, the contribution to uh, new ways of doing things, of thinking differently about our economy. Th those are all grit to the mill. Those are the things we need to do. And we can do them together. It's not that you're on the side of the devil if you're an entrepreneur or you're on the side of the angels if you work in public services. We, we are mm. dependent on each other. Oh, you can't have one without the other. Yes. Um, and I think to coin a term, uh, uh, extraordinary, ordinary people, and especially when it comes to giving your answer, David, to uh, teachers, to carers, people that honestly don't get the recognition they deserve on a day-to-day -day basis. And without them, half of society wouldn't function. I completely. I, I call it civil society, which functions even when government isn't functioning. It's, what, it's the glue that holds things together. It's people working and living and having their being together and recognising that they are dependent on each other. I, I've obviously met incredibly inspiring leaders in a different vein. I was very fortunate to have met Nelson Mandela three times. Uh, I met Bill Clinton a number of times, both of whom, in very, very different ways, were inspiring leaders. I've met people in leadership positions who couldn't take a decision to save their lives. Uh, Tony Blair famously said in the, his conference speech the year before he stood down as Prime Minister, and I, I knew exactly what he meant, he said the worst ministers are those who won't take decisions, and anyone in a leadership role needs to A, know why they're there, what they intend to do with the uh, authority mm. that goes with being a leader and a manager, and then how to draw people in as a team to be able to implement it so that it's a team approach. It's not someone out on a white charger. It's someone who can mobilise, motivate, provide incentives for people to feel that they're part of the solution as well. Uh, and I think whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's sport, it's exactly those qualities that you need to succeed in any of them. Yes, it is. And if people recognise that and they have a clear idea themselves, they, they have and build, because you can't build, leadership qualities, they know how to manage their own time and their own emotions because we all, from time to time, feel like really losing our temper and... I don't pretend for a minute over the years <laughs> that, that I haven't. How, how to control your own feelings and emotion and how to bring the best out in other people's. How, how you work out that people who are really good don't threaten you, they compliment you. People who have complementary skills to you are really valuable. And I suppose the ability to listen, not just for its own sake, mm. but to listen because you are conglomerating, I suppose you would call it plagiarising, thoughts, ideas, ways forward from everyone around you. I often think that um, football managers wouldn't do too bad a job if they actually talked to the fans after the game. Well, everyone <laughs> knows, uh, David, you know, you're a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. It I know. can't be easy having to hear the it, praise of Chris Wilder and Sheffield United every week after No, week. I, it isn't, although it's damn good for Sheffield, so I'm being a bit magnanimous at the moment. That's very good about of you. Sheffield United in the Premier League, because it, it, it does change. It lifts the image of the city internationally. If you're Not just because it's Sheffield United, but because if you're playing Liverpool uh, and you're playing Man City then that's a global audience. You're immediately beamed across the world. So that's good. I, I, I could cry sometimes. We can, we can beat uh, Brighton, Premier League side, in the FA Cup at Brighton. We can 
beat Leeds at Leeds. I was there when we beat them 2-0 in January. And then you can lose 5-0. And then you lose 5-0 at home to Blackburn and half the fans were out of the ground by by half time. What what would a manager blanket say in this situation? I, I would have asked myself a very simple question. What went wrong with motivating those players so that when they came out on the field... They walked instead of ran. They didn't have any of the passion they'd had the week before at Leeds. They showed no drive and incentive to take hold of the game. What what went wrong with the same players who'd played very well the week previously? And if you could answer that question, and there may have something may have happened. Who knows? Something during the morning before the game started. Something may have gone sour. You get the answer to that question, and you then start to ensure that we never, never do this again. Yeah, well, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I'm beginning to feel your pain at the minute. Um, <laughs> but I would like to pick up on another point you just made, actually, David, about choosing a strong team, people that compliment you. A lot of criticism that uh, Theresa May got as Prime Minister was that she tended not to pick, perhaps, the more ambitious, the more... Uh, 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 people uh, uh, ministers that might well challenge her. One of Boris Johnson's, for all his faults, uh, he has been said in the past, he's a man that picks people that are good at their briefs. Do you agree with that? Well, I'll reserve judgment on that until I see the outcome of the reshuffle, which, as we record this podcast, has not yet happened. Mm. And I imagine, I, I would be very surprised if he didn't have quite a brutal reshuffle not just to get people in who he likes, but people who are going to be really sparky and able and clear at doing the job because you can have all the best ideas in the world. You can pronounce on what you're going to do, but if you haven't got leaders in those departments prepared to do it, if they're just toadies, by the way, and there is a tendency, a new mm-hmm. Prime Minister, large majority, got to be very careful that you don't pick people because you're receiving the echo of your own voice uh, when you're speaking to them. But get able people in. I, I, I won't comment on some of the less able, but there are <laughs> clearly in the cabinet as I speak at the moment people who are really just not up to it. I mean, incidentally, anyone who won't be cross-examined by decent journalists on the BBC, changed their minds recently about mm. Sky, <clears throat> isn't worth their salt. If But part of being cross-questioned is to demonstrate to yourself that you've got a grasp of your brief that you believe in it and that you can persuade people of it. And if you can't do that under real cross-examination rather than sitting on the sofa for for an easy morning television programme, get out of the business. You know, don't don't do it. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, And also, I should add, that is how uh, these all stripes earn that respect in the first place. But there is a question, isn't I'm there? I'm trying to answer the questions. That's, that's <laughs> what I always tried to answer the or questions. Or be very good at avoiding them. Either one. Um, oh, well, the, the way of avoiding them is to take it head on and say, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. Explain why. Yeah, quite. Uh, <laughs> the, um, and I think one of the great things about uh, the Lise Castle especially is that um, it takes and talks to people again, from all different backgrounds, leading something very different, whether it's a charity, whether it's a business, whether it's in politics. There comes points, though, and David, you must have experienced this, whether it's leading Sheffield City Council or as Home Secretary. When people are looking at you for leadership, where do you get your strength from? 
I think there's something inside all of us. There's a tenacity, there's a, an ambition, there's a desire to get things done, to make a difference inside you, whether you're in public service, the charities, or you're driving a business that actually says, this is why I get up in the morning. So you've got to have something internal to yourself. The, the second is the satisfaction you get back because you do from seeing things change for the better. You, you can take pride without being egotistical. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do and to want to do it even better. And that's why you need both sharp minds around you. In my case, it was special advisors as, as well as ministers. I pretty well picked my ministers. Sometimes Tony asked me to take people who I was a little bit iffy about and we had to meld people into the team. I was able to pick all my own special advisors and that really did make a difference. Mm. But in, in the end, you've got to like what you're doing. I mean, the, the, the people who are un, unhappy in their skin, they, they, it's very difficult to perform if you're in the wrong business or in the wrong department of a business or if you're really hating teaching or in politics, you... You're just in the wrong department. I was very lucky because education and employment were my first loves in terms of what I wanted to do, and I got the job for four years. I'd then come to the conclusion that there were really big challenges for us. It turned out even bigger than I expected with the attack on the World Trade Center Mm. three months after I became Home Secretary. But the big challenges of security, of reducing crime, of dealing with... The development of positive citizenship, which also had a readover in terms of immigration, the kind of things that change people's lives either for the better or the worse. And you don't get everything right. That's the other thing you've got to recognise, which is why being part of a broader team, being able to take criticism but not always accept it (laughs) because otherwise you blow with the wind, that's the, the measure and I think if we can share those traits, those experiences, those different elements through the Leadership Council, if we can get people from very, very different leadership managerial roles and delivery roles to actually be able to share that experience, everyone will gain something from it because that dialogue will inform, it will avoid people reinventing the wheel it will take people a lot further than the the niche, for good or ill, the niche that they're in at the moment. Um, David, the very uh, in a couple of minutes we have left, um, I will be mean and put you on the spot and ask you for predictions, perhaps in three things: what will happen in the Labour leadership contest? How will the next few months go for the government after Brexit? Uh, well, after we leave the European Union on the thirty first of January, and where will Sheffield? Wednesday finish in the league? Lord above. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure which is the most difficult of those <laughs> questions. I, I've already in, indicated where my support is for the, the Labour leadership. If we take it at the end of January 2020, Keir Starmer has clearly got, a, got off to a very, very um, strong start. I think, however, it will be very much down to who can reach... Those parts of the Labour Party membership that came in on the back of Jeremy Corbyn's election in 2015 to that post, who can be persuaded that 
what they want to see and the change, the big changes they'd like to enact can only be brought about in any form if we win and we win back the people, the tragic loss of people on our side uh, mm. in December 2019. Uh, and that, that's got to be Lisa Nandi or, or Kia. On, on the, um, the, the next few months... I think that the government will probably do quite well. I, I, I think that there are real dangers ahead in just having 11 months to negotiate trade deals, especially with bellicose pronouncements about we're not going to have alignment, as though alignment in itself is a bad thing when some of it will be very good. So I think there are dangers, but I think there's quite a bit of momentum going with the government at the moment, and that will be reflected in relationships in doing deals in Europe and facing outwards to the rest of the world. Sheffield Wednesday, God help me. I mean, you know, how is it that two of the things that are most important to me, other than my family and loved ones, is football and and politics? I think Sheffield Wednesday will be hard-pressed now to get into the playoffs. If we do, I think we could pull it off. But I am really reluctant. And I think on that prediction, your reputation will be judged. Lord Blunkett, thank you very much for joining us today. God bless you, Jonathan. (laughs) This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland its parent company, or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.